so much, guys. Really appreciate your time and uh, willingness to share your gift with us in leading worship. Um, if you were here last week, Pastor Bob shared a message called Being Shaped by the Other. And so what we were talking about is the way that we're all shaped by the people we're in relationship with. Um, friends and family and romantic relationships. And uh, you know what? We here in the church have the gift of being a part of a diverse body of people, um, different ages, different backgrounds, um, from all walks of life. And uh, what a gift it is to be able to learn from each other's perspective and stories of faith um, in our life together. You guys are go-getters. Sorry. I appreciate you. Get over here. <laughs> I thought you said... And we found the craziest people to come and talk about their marriages. Just kidding. Um, Tonight, uh, I'm really thankful to have these friends with us here to be able to just share from their experience as um, people um, walking in a relationship with Christ together in marriage. And I'm really looking forward to uh, this discussion. And so they're going to take turns answering questions at these mics, and I'm going to camp out on that stool over there and just yell questions. So please forgive me for that. And uh, yeah, you guys can uh, feel free to grab these mics off the stands, and we'll start here. So, uh, to give us a little bit of an idea of who you guys are, would you mind, um, each couple, in a minute or two, tell us who you are, how long you've been in Bloomington, how long you've been here at ECC, um, if you have any kids or pets, or, uh, and even what you do during the week. So let's work our way down, starting with Doug and Kristen. Okay. Help you guys out. Oh. Hi, my name is Doug. I'm Kristen. And we've been married seven years, and we live, we have lived, I've lived in Bloomington for about ten, and we have a cat named Petey. <laughs> Perfect. So you start. What do you do during the week? Uh, I work for Habitat for Humanity as a construction site supervisor. And I'm the development director for Lotus Educational Arts Foundation, the Lotus World Music Festival. Okay, so I'm Nate Peterman, and, and I'm Jen Peterman. So we've been married for ten years, and uh, been coming to ECCs for about fifteen years. I came here; we both came here as undergrads, and I was 15, more than fifteen years ago. Um, so I, during the week, I work for a company called Highlands, and I do risk management type work, consulting work, um, and yeah. And I stay home with our four kids. So we have two boys and two girls. They're, our boys are five and seven, seven to five, and then our girls are three and one. So. And if you hear any screaming through the doors at the back, that would be our kids. Okay, so I'm Michaela Hansen and TJ Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are both, well, I'm an undergrad, finishing my senior year. And CJ's in med school. We have a beautiful little puppy that we just bought three weeks ago. Her name is Opie. And um, this is our fourth year here in ECC. And we've been married seven months. Oh. <laughs> we'll figure this mic. That is clap worthy. <laughs> Um, so in a minute or two, I think it would be good to have the wives answer this one primarily, and then you husbands can pitch in. Um, the question is, how long did you date before you were engaged? Um, what did that process look like, and how long have you been married? 
was a junior at IU. Doug was the ECC youth pastor. Um, and I was a recent Christian, and it was my junior year of college, and I, Doug stood up at the first connection service and said he needed help with um, being a youth leader. And I needed Christian friends, so <laughs> um, I joined the youth group to be a leader, and Doug and I worked alongside one another um, for a full, full year, and we were kind of taken back by the feelings we had for one another after a year. So, um, Because she wasn't my type. <laughs> Let's be honest. And Doug was unorganized and loud. But she is now. But she is now. That's what happened. That's what happened. <laughs> um, we, David, we went on two dates, and then I went for a summer in California and a semester abroad, so we online dated for about six months. That just meant emailing. Yeah. <laughs> Not like it does now. Yeah. And then we, um, so we dated for a full year, got engaged, and six months later we got married, so we just celebrated our seventh anniversary. Um, okay, so Nate and I met down here at IU. We technically went to the same high school in Fort Wayne, but didn't really know each other. So, um, so yeah, so we met down here my freshman year and Nate's sophomore year through, it was called Campus Crusade back in the day, but now it's called Crew, yeah. So we met at a fall retreat my freshman year and his sophomore year at... We, we were walking along a path, and saw each other, and it was over. We were actually both skipping out of a session, which is what was happening. Went on a walk, yeah. the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. So, so we were friends actually for about a year, and then we started dating my sophomore year and Nate's junior year. Uh, yeah. Um, and then we got engaged um, my senior year and Nate had graduated. Um, we had broken up for about six months before soon before we got engaged. We got back together and soon after that got engaged. And then we had a short engagement. We were only engaged for three months. Um, and then, yeah. And then we've been married for a little over 10 years now. So, did I miss anything? Did I cover that? That's a fun story. So we also met at IU. Surprise, since we're still at IU. <laughs> and we were both in crew. CJ is two years older than me, so he was a junior my freshman year when we met. And honestly, we didn't like really know each other that well the whole year until like the end of the year, spring retreat. We like kind of, I don't know, I had a crush on him. So then I created this huge birthday party and invited like 40 people so I could invite him and it wouldn't be awkward. <laughs> and we ate dinner, I him hot, and he came. And uh, we started talking after that. And then we started dating in the summer, and we dated a year and six months, got engaged, had an eight-month engagement, and we just got married in July. So we were married for seven months. Time flies. Okay. So this next question, and from here on out, whoever would like to answer can feel free to. Uh, the question is, what have been some of the most enriching and enjoyable aspects of being married? Are we going in line, or you said anybody can win? Apparently nothing, for all three of them. No, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. Um, 
I think over the seven years that we've been married, for myself, the uh, really enriching thing, something enjoyable is just sharing moments, uh, doing things that we both love to do, uh, hiking or outdoors or working in the garden, um, sharing those moments specifically with intentionality and um, being with one another. And, and I think uh, I have many stories and, and many visuals of just great things that we've done and, and very enjoyable. So really this aspect of doing uh, fun things, I guess. I would say the same thing. It's um, you're, you're spending time with a person that knows you and comes to know you better than anybody else knows you. And so you're experiencing life, I think, more deeply because of that. Because you're in a relationship where um, you're, under, you're understanding each other so much more than anybody else understands you. And so it's not just that. I mean, for us, it's, um, I mean, we've been married for 10 years, so we've had a lot of great things in our lives. We've had a lot of sad days in our lives. We have four kids. We've had a lot of, a lot of tiredness. A lot of late nights and no nights or whatever and you know seeing each other our best and our worst but knowing that uh, we're willing to that, that she's willing to put my knees before hers and hopefully vice versa on occasion um, <laughs> that, um, that I mean you, you can experience life in a way where you're really um, you're really cared for and that's I think that's different I mean it's not that way when you're not married and I think in the, in the same vein of that I think you Knowing somebody that well, you experience God maybe in, in a different way together than you do maybe did by yourself. Um, you know, when we've had really hard days or really challenging times, we can tell stories about the way God has intervened in our lives in many different ways. Whether it's supplying needs when we didn't have when our needs couldn't be met, or comforting us in really special ways, even just in the parking lot after a church service after a really hard day. Um, you know, God has intervened, and we've known him together through that and it's, it's it's incredible to be able to walk through life and know that know you through it well you guys took that a lot more I guess seriously than I was thinking I was going to say uh, it's nice to have somebody to cook for you you told me I was going to say that no but really she's a good cook um, I guess in the last seven months I I've seen glimpses of kind of what uh, what they've been saying, uh, so I would kind of echo that. Getting to wake up next to Michaela every morning and uh, the good days and the bad days, and realize that she'll still be there the next day has been really special. I would add too is that um, partner to help encourage you to dream and to be able to dream with. That's been one of my favorite things. I had a support network in my parents growing up, but I think in college and shortly after it was that desire to want to feel safe in those dreams and then be um, encouraged to chase after them or to hear that you can reach those. So I think having Doug to dream with and kind of feel safe and suggesting crazy things or um, even just kind of forecasting what life may look like or what God will put us on has been really good for me. Uh, can I ask you guys next, what have been some of the most difficult and challenging aspects of being married? I'll just jump on that one real quick. <laughs> Everything. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Yeah, it was. The first year was pretty good. 
Yeah, I was... Well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> I, I, I think one, in, me and Kristen have talked about all these questions, uh, but one of the, the hardest things for me and the difficult thing for me was to communicate. Um, I'm, I may be a good communicator in some ways, but maybe not in other ways, especially when I get angry or frustrated or I get my feelings hurt. <laughs> And, and I'll, I would have, I'd just shut down. And for her, that that wasn't taken very well. Uh, and she's a pursuer, and I'm a runawayer guy. Uh, and, and so learning that, how to communicate, especially when things go awry, or when uh, I am angry or frustrated, or a situation just you know collapses in front of us, um, to communicate in such a way that speaks to her um, in the situation, not just hold on to my feelings and want to be in them and communicate how I feel I want to communicate uh, because that sends no message to her. So for me, it was learning how to communicate and still today, it's, it's hard. Um, Along with that, I would say um, the expectations that we probably both didn't know that we always had or that were not communicated. So going out to do something and expecting it to look a certain way, but no, never communicating that, and so just being frustrated and what thought was could have been a fun time or a nice experience turned out to be just a bad day. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that I would say um, that has been the hardest over the past seven months realizing in myself is just learning how to authentically give grace to someone because I've never really been in a situation where I've had to do so to that like deep of a level before. So like living with roommates, well, you can make it so you don't really have to see them until you cool down or you can be mad at your parents and you're the teenager so it's okay that you're mad at your parents, you know? But it's not, not only is it not acceptable but not something that I want to do, not a wife that I want to be that hold scratches against my husband or is mad and so you really have to like learn to address things in yourself that you know you didn't I didn't think I would have to do as much you know I didn't think I would fail at being a wife when I didn't think I was like a selfish person and then you just reassess all of those um, things and you grow a lot I hope <laughs> so yeah that was along the lines of kind of what we had talked about too, that I feel like this relationship where you are fully known is so wonderful that you're fully known and fully loved, but also you can be comfortable to really let your true self kind of hang out, which is, which is a beautiful thing, but also a really refining thing. And, um, and I think that it just really brings to the surface your sin. And so I think that that has been one of the most challenging things for me is just it really brings to the forefront of my mind all my selfishness and my pride and um, my desire to put myself first and not put Nate first and um, to make, you know, whatever it is about me um, or about my needs. And so I think it's definitely a constant refining process, um, but in a good way. But um but challenging. Yeah, I'd echo that. <clears throat> the uh, biggest thing that I've learned about myself over the past couple of months is uh, how selfish I am and how uh, much I really like 
to do things my way, um, and just learning to die to that and serve Michaela when I, you know, want to do it my way. So. Thanks. Uh, can you guys think of any times or experiences in your life together that God grew your relationship with each other or with him in a particularly memorable or powerful way? I go. <clears throat> so uh, a couple of weeks after we first started dating, I went on a summer project to Ecuador uh, for six weeks. And so the first, I don't know, six of the first eight weeks that we were dating, we weren't even in the same country. And then the summer afterwards, uh, she uh, left the country to go to Puerto Rico, another summer project, for another six weeks. And kind of seeing the, the way that our relationship changed while one of us was actively uh, serving God in another country and the other one was kind of, you know, pining away at home. Um, just, just seeing how God was changing one of our hearts, but then through Skype and uh, conversations, uh, changing, I know when she was in Puerto Rico, changing my heart, um, kind of along with her, both to realize how much I missed her not being there, um, and that was, I don't know, a couple, a couple of months later, I don't know, when things started getting more serious, so, um, but, yeah. yeah. But so along with that time, um, what I thought was really cool was like, so he was gone, I was at home working, then I was gone, he was at home working. And when you're at home working, it all seems so mundane, but it was really encouraging to like hear his stories and hear how he was like so focused on Christ the whole day. It's like made me reevaluate, well, why can't I do that here when I'm working at the restaurant that I'm working at, you know? And so that was a really sweet time. So even kind of get to like use someone else's spiritual eye to help you realize like there's no reason why every day can't like look this beautiful because often you're gone and there's really beautiful days and moments and experiences happen and then you come home and you're like it kind of fizzles out but that was like a really neat experience and it prepared us really well because our eight months of engagement um, I was here in Bloomington and CJ was two hours away in Kokomo so I think having so much time where we weren't together when we were dating um, was just really good for us to keep it like focused on God. So. I, I, I mean, obviously, I think when there are different times and different seasons of your relationship that are more challenging than others and you learn more and experience God in a different way, but I think... Um, the first one for me that comes to mind is, you know, when we, when our first son was born and just how much work that was. I mean, we, we could talk about how bad it was, but one of them, one, one quick story is he, he, he had reflux really bad and we didn't really know what that was and the doctor didn't really diagnose him. So for six weeks we took shifts up at night holding him upright because if he'd lay him down, he'd have reflux and scream and wake up. So he couldn't lay him down. So for six weeks after having our first kid, um, we were exhausted and kind of at our wit's end. And, um, I mean, just through that time, obviously, you're relying on each other so much just to survive, really. I mean, just to get enough sleep and to trade off and to help each other out and to do this. And I'd be at work and she'd be exhausted during the day. And, um, 
but but also experiencing the real blessing of that, um, the blessing of both having Deacon in our lives and also, you know, knowing each other and being able to depend on each other that way, I think is was incredible for me. Yeah, I would add to that, like, you found a partnership for something, you know, and it, it was your son, um, and for us, it was uh, fostering. We we um, we've decided, hey, let's foster kids. We got. Um, we got the room to spare. Uh, I think that would be fantastic. And so we entered into an idea or a goal or something that we thought was um, admirable uh, in our lives, noble, something that we thought God would want us to do. Um, and it could be anything, but it was this taking this uh, idea and turning it into a partnership that we both owned. That we said, you know, God, we have no no idea what we're doing here in this particular area, but. Uh, we know we can help somehow. Uh, just like maybe if you were to start a business together or do something else as a partner. Um, and uh, in the Peterman's case, it was, you know, it was Deacon, it was, it was their son. Um, and that really drew us closer and more dependent on God and just say, hey, uh, he's going to pull us through or into something that is unknown and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. Uh, it's going to be eye-opening. Yeah, with that, I think, too, we're working together, which in marriage you can very easily start to separate household chores or finances or um, just who gets different things done. And so I, I think that kind of drew us back into working together um, and seeing the, each other's strengths. And um, I was going to say that with that, too, as because we're just speaking, I think one thing that's been really neat to see is um, just how God has directed both our lives and put the same calling like with fostering we neither of us had ever thought we would I mean that wasn't something that we entered into our relationship ever even talking about or knowing anyone to do and um, to see how just little pieces along the way God's shaped our journey to be aligned as one has been really good thanks my wife and I have been married for six years and we got a dog and it was like Oh my, oh my gosh, how are we going to live? These guys went from having no kids to having three foster kids with them. And uh, you've had kids for as long as a year. I mean, fostering, that's just uh Yeah, but they have four all the time. And they never leave. I can't imagine going from zero to three, though. But uh, next question I want to ask you guys. If you could go back and tell yourself one thing while you were in... If you could go back and tell yourself one thing while you're in the dating world, what would it be? We're a little more freshly out of the dating world. Um, so I was kind of thinking about this. I would say be patient. Um, I know. So I met her towards the end of my junior year. And for freshman and sophomore and most of my junior year, I was kind of like, all right, you know, I'm here in college. I want to... Find a find a wife, find a good godly woman, and settle down. And um, at times, it was something that I would, you know, think about like a lot. Um, and when I finally started giving that desire over to God and just being kind of like, you know, God, you're sufficient for me right now, and I'll just I'll just wait and I'll I'll take what opportunities come, but whatever, you know, whatever you have in store for me, I'll accept. And then. Uh, I met her. And I'm not saying that it'll always work out that way, but I think that that's a better uh, outlook on dating than 
constantly trying to you know, find somebody, always having to be with somebody. So. Yeah, and I would honestly say don't be such a flirt. Like, if you feel like you're a flirt, don't be. <laughs> um, so for me, dating started like freshman year of high school, and I dated this guy for like a year that I didn't even really like. Ended up in that relationship because I was a flirt. And, you know, I just felt like I had such a need for a boyfriend, for a relationship that was like never satisfying. And so I know that a lot of girls like fall into that. At least all of my friends at the time were falling into that. And it's just so like not worth it. So don't be a flirt. So I kind of piggyback on what CJ said. Um, I kind of had a similar experience um, coming coming to college. I had always just envisioned myself um, being married eventually, having children, um, even four. <laughs> we kind of said that, but um, so that was something that I had always really wanted, um, and met Nate really early on in college, and we we were friends for a year, but then dated for the rest of. Um, college and then um, ended up breaking up my senior year and it was really horrible kind of devastating time but honestly I think it was completely a sovereign um, time that I needed um, to really in the end to su just surrender to God that um, whatever his plan for me for us was um, was okay that, that I would be okay with that because I don't think I had really fully surrendered that up until um, kind of that point that maybe even if it looks like I'll be single for the rest of my life, which was a really, really hard thing for me to um, to think about. Um, it's not what I wanted, but um, I felt like that time was a time when God really had me just kind of surrender that. And I had kind of a, we had kind of a similar um, scenario where literally just a few weeks later, we got back together, but I almost kind of hesitate to say that because I don't want it to be kind of like a, a formula, just surrender and then and then you kind of get what you ultimately want. <laughs> but um, but I, I think there is something to be said for really just trusting that God does have your best um, needs at heart and that he will work things out. And sometimes it's so tempting to just want to orchestrate it and kind of micromanage it. Um, but we don't we don't have to. We have a God who loves us and who is bigger than that and um, and his plans are good. So I was twenty seven when I got married. I, yeah, so it took me a little bit while to get on that train. Um, and sometimes I think Kristen just felt sorry for me because I was twenty seven <laughs> and then just married me anyway. Which that's okay. That being said, it's just that, you know, there is this time frame where you just don't know. You know there's a time frame, whether you're going through an hour after college, where you're just like, oh, oh, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, for me, it's it was just this idea of uh, loving God well and loving the people around me well. And to my advantage, I then just got to know friends that were f female. Um, strictly that, friends. Not friends with benefits, not, not other friends, friends, just, just friends. 
um, that we could go out and hang out either together or with other groups of people, and that's okay. And sometimes I feel like there's there's this expectation that if you do go out as friends, then oh man, then I'm stuck with this guy or this girl. And um, it's a great way to understand the opposite sex. It's a great way just to have fun. Uh, so it was a while. So if I look back at myself and say, hey, um, what would I tell myself? I'd be like, it's gonna be okay. You're gonna make it. And if you do stay single, it's cool. Um, just love people well. Love others well. One thing I was just thinking of is, I think we did well was um, we were forced to get to know one another apart from who we were together. When I studied abroad, I think I was gone for about eight months total and we had just had two actual like dates. We had worked alongside one another for a year, but getting to know what one another, who we really were inside was um, kind of all over written communication. And so we spent six months learning who, like I found out who Doug was and Doug found out who I was. Um, and I, I think it was, yeah, it was really nice because then we came together knowing that and fell in love with what we could be together. But first we had a deeper um, knowledge of who one another were and what those desires were and what the heart looked like. So, uh, How would you guys say that commitment should develop in a relationship? Do you think commitment should be established full throttle from the beginning or should play out over time and see how you both feel about things? What does that process look like? Somebody better step up. <laughs> I'm just curious because like 15 years ago there was this thing called the DTR. <laughs> there they know what it is. They're still famous. On this side of the room. The, the defining the relationship talk. Um, so I, I, I mean, no, I mean how, I, I don't know how to answer that really because it's like, do you think it's exclusivity and commitment should be established in a relationship? I do think it should, or how, um, full throttle from the beginning. I mean, it's like, I, I don't think a relationship is full throttle from the beginning, right? You kind of ease into it, you get to know each other, you find out about each other, you see what your interests are, and it seems like there's a, there's a spectrum there, and when the spectrum says, I'd like to, like, I'm interested enough that I don't want to go out on a date with anybody else, there seems like you want to make sure that that's mutual and how you do that, I don't know, but I mean, it seems the purpose of dating, right, is to, to figure out if this is someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And if you're really interested in somebody, I don't know, I mean, is it awkward to have like six irons in the fire? Right? I mean, I, I, if I was one of the six irons, it'd be like, hey, what, I, I like you, what's going on here? So I mean, I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't know, but um, I think that, I think it's a, it's a natural part of the process to express how you feel when the time's right that you want to be more exclusive with somebody. I think it's important to both do that and then to honor it too. So that's probably not best accomplished via text message or Twitter. Yeah. Those are challenges we have to face. Okay. So a conversation can be very helpful. Not Twitter. Not text message. If you could go back and tell yourself one thing as a newlywed, what would it be? We thought this question was kind of funny because, uh, well, we are newlyweds, so 
And then you had a big fight. And so I would say, <laughs> when you're like newly, newly, like you're spending all the money that everyone gave you from your wedding, buy the biggest thing you can of Tide. Because you're going to be doing so much more laundry. Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. CJ like works out and then he wears clothes and then he wears sweatpants and then he just like has a lot of clothes. <laughs> there you have it. I, I would think Doug would um, join me in this sentiment that you guys are really brave for being here. Um, I, Doug made a comment earlier, and it's probably fair for me to say we were in the same boat. The first year of marriage was really, really rough for us. Um, and I'm glad to hear you guys are here smiling and happy and laughing. You got a leg up on us. But it was a challenge to get to, I mean, to all of a sudden be spending all your time with somebody else. Figure out how to spend all your money with somebody else. Figure out where you're going to go for holidays with somebody else. And you don't get to decide for the first time what you're going to do. And that seems maybe selfish. And maybe that's probably what the issue was. Um, but it's but you have to do it for the first time. You have to work out what's fair, what your priorities are, what her priorities are. And it's a challenge to get in a habit of that. And um, so when I think of, you know, if I go back and tell one thing, no, if I, yeah, as a newlywed, what would it be? It'd be, you know, it's not perfect yet. You know, it's not, I mean, when I talk, we were talking about this question, it's, um, We've come so far as a couple, um, understanding each other, it, even to the point of when there's conflict, to the point that, that it really doesn't elevate like it used to. Now, our first year of marriage, um, conflict, it, it felt like a panic. It's like, holy cow, we don't get along. This is our, f is this the way it's going to be? You know, is this, is it always going to be like this? I thought, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. But now it's, hey, it, even, you know, something's really hard, we can bring it up. And we can address it more like, hey, this is an issue we need to address, not like, holy cow, what are we going to do about this? And I've been holding this in and i got to get it out there. It's just not like that anymore. And so there's, there's just a peace that comes with, over time, seeing somebody respect you and respect your feelings when something's important to you. And um, I've just learned to really appreciate that in, about our marriage, that it's, 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 it's just not as hard that way as it once was. Because you, you know there's somebody that is listening and willing to change and be flexible on the other side that cares about how you're doing. I love that you said like the big details of like spending money together because I just remember coming down the stairs and Deb would like hang the blanket over the couch and they were brand new couches. And I and he had no radar of even that. Like so, I mean that first. Why can't I hang the blanket over the couch? You probably didn't know you did it. <laughs> but that idea of like, Constant tension, yeah. Um. But eventually he learned that hanging the blanket over the couch was a hot button issue, and he learned not to do it. That's right. And it didn't let the tension mount, right? You learned it. Right. You didn't know how important it was. See, the more you get to know your, your spouse, then the more you can just not do those things, and, oh, okay. and it won't be a big issue. Just like let it go. Don't hang it up. Okay, and, 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 okay, and, and you can, I, you can, I don't know if you can appreciate this or not. I've finally started to learn when it's a bad time to bring something up yeah. and when it's a good time to bring something right. That's really important to learn. Really important to learn. <laughs> you can be bringing something up, something up that's really important, and if you bring it up at the wrong time, it's bad. I think what I would say to myself looking back is 
um, what Doug told me probably two years ago. So maybe year one through five was a little bit harder for us than just year one. But um, Doug was. <laughs> it was. I'm glad the last two have been all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Doug said, just kind of looked at me one day and said, like, we're, this is never going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. And I, and I never had realized that I was, like, aspiring to that. And I don't even know that I could define what perfect was. Um, and I'm not a perfectionist. So it was all very bizarre. But there was, I couldn't just be content on where we were. Or, like, felt like each fight was just a nick against us or something, oftentimes. Um, and who we were. And so I, I think... I wish I just would have known that earlier, like that I had that expectation for myself in our marriage, but also um, that didn't need to be there. A um, couple things for me. One, sex is awkward first, but it gets better. Two, uh, you'll find out. Heck yeah, man. He knows he's new one. Two, I wish I would have known how to communicate with her. This goes back to what you, the worst time in my life, like our marriage, it really is. I wish I would have taken the time to know when I was dating her uh, how I should have communicated when things are tough and rough um, and to get to know her more. Um, as if I wish I would have gone to a coach who was this third party who would have made us argue and then helped us through it while we were doing it. Um, no, really, it's just like, I wish I would have. And the other thing is, um, which I think we're doing now and we did, we... Oh, are we going to do that there? Yeah, no. Hold on. I'll say it now. But I wish uh, we had would have had more uh, wisdom behind um, our our engagement and even the early part of our marriage and uh, engaging more into maybe older couples and investing more into them and their stories too, which could also go to questioning. You're a great planner, and I appreciate that about you. You're a great planner. I'm just saying you keep you've been checking out your cheat sheet. Way to go. That was a compliment, not an insult. Um, Christian's like, he's not a good planner. This is one of our biggest issues. So, moving on. Um, this is the last question I want to ask you guys, and uh, we want to wrap this up by 7.15, so I'll give you guys an opportunity to ask a question, too, if you'd like. But the last question I want to ask you is, how did you pursue your relationship with God together as a dating couple? And how do you pursue it together now as a married couple? Can you offer any advice on that? <clears throat> to be honest, um, I would say in some ways we were pursuing God better as a dating and engaged couple. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, kind of just the amount of time that you spend with each other. When, when it has to be uh, focused and intentional time, it's easier to make it focused and intentional. But when you're just constantly together, we've found that it's harder to make it intentional. Um, so when we were dating, um, uh, I would 
uh, we'd come over, we'd read the Bible together, walk through passages um, for a little while. I would call her every night and pray with her before we went to bed. But, yeah. So now we don't like not talking about God. (laughs) 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 But it's, it's just different, you know, or like and it's only been seven months, so they'll probably have more wisdom than we have. But we're kind of at like different stages with what we're learning right now and how we're learning. So recently we found it's better to like read on our own and talk about it. And at first that really like shocked me. And like, is this like not okay? Aren't we supposed to be like perfect? We would read the Bible together when we were dating, blah blah blah. But that standard is if it's not authentic and it's hindering your growth with God then I would say it's not like good there's not a one size it's all kind of for spiritual oneness and that what I'm learning is not even for our relationship throughout time you know like that can maybe change through time because it's kind of changing right now so we don't know what is your guys advice? I can think um, feel like our relationships had a lot of freedom, and we've had a lot of seasons to discover God in individual ways and ways together. And I can just think of several times where we've gotten into rhythms and we've fallen out of those rhythms and something else has come. But we would, on car rides to my parents' house, we would pray out loud um, and sometimes before bed a lot. And it was just interesting to hear um, what one another were asking God for and um, just who was on their hearts and stuff in a little bit more of an organic way than sitting across the table and trying to come up with those stage questions. Um, Another time we, um, for several months, did like liturgical readings every Sunday evening. So we would just, um, had like a devotional book and read read through those for um, a season. And then um, our last foster children, we each shared something that we were thankful for um, around the dinner table every night, and that was just kind of a, I think for them, an excitement to share something great about their day, but for Doug and I to pause and acknowledge that this is all because of Christ. So, I guess I would just um, say to you, I think that times of prayers together or doing a Bible study together, I think it. I think I agree with you guys. When we were dating, we would do. Boundaries and Dating was a big book. I don't know if anybody even knows that book anymore, but we would do those things together, and I think those things are good. Um, but I also think that your individual relationship with God, um, had the health of that has a lot of bearing on the health of your marriage, too. So um, when you're right with the Lord and when you are being controlled by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of that will be seen in your marriage. So the fruit of that will be, you know, love and patience and kindness and goodness. And those kinds of things are what are a foundation of a healthy marriage. So, um, no. Yeah, so I guess I'd say that, you know, we're obviously really distracted now with four kids and tired and not no spare time. But it seems like those things that you do that are the routine, like the, 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 the rhythms of your family life, are the things that you can kind of learn to depend on. And so whether it's, uh, you know, even just doing the devotional thing, like the Bible story time with our kids every night, or the prayers over meals with our kids and talking about what each kid wants to pray for, or um, praying at bedtime with kids or with each other, whatever it is, 
those patterns, I think, of having a pattern, of having a rhythm that um, remind yourself, that, that bring God into the daily life, I think are important. But I think more important than that, even, is recognize God. I mean, you, you we all know, like when, when you're in a, have a good relationship with God, you're aware of the things he's doing in your life. And when you have four kids and you're married and you're busy with a lot of things and you have a lot of uh, issues going on in your life, you have a lot of needs and you're, a lot of things you are asking God for and need God for. And I think, you know, just seeing him respond over and over and over again in our lives together for each of us, for both of us, for our families, whatever that is. I mean, I mean, one of the things I haven't done, which I've talked about is, I feel like I need to put up like on my mantle, like, like you know, you talk, you hear like the Old Testament stuff is they build towers of rocks, right? Of every of these big momentous thing God God does in your life. I just want to have something where I have a place in my house where it has some physical representation of those things God's done because He's done so many things. And to have those constantly kind of like just in your life and talking about those things, I think is really important. And do we have like a minute left? Because I want to answer the last question. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so the last question that he was going to ask us, and I'll answer really fast, was do you think it's possible for a married couple to fall out of love? And Jen and I talked about this, and it may be a strange answer. We actually thought our answer was it's inevitable. Um, if you think that love and being in love is a feeling and, you know, kind of like a crushy type thing, that stuff comes and goes, man. I mean, we've been married 10 years, and the love that we have isn't like, hey, we're feeling great about each other today, every day, you know? Love is a commitment. When you stand up at, you know, wherever you stand up and you make vows and give vows to each other, it's not, hey, I'm going to feel great about you today and feel passionate about you today. That's not what you're saying. You're saying you're going to take care of somebody and you're going to put their needs first. And the love, like if, if, if you're going to have a strong marriage, anybody, it's because you're doing that. It's not because you're feeling great and passionate about somebody on a daily basis. It's just not going to happen. I mean, if, if that's what you're depending on, you're, you're not going to get it. No way. Yeah, when we were, when I first said I loved you, I remember thinking, or, to Doug? Not to Not, not to me. <laughs> to me! <laughs> I think it was. I had been wrestling around with it. Doug had said it several months before I was ready to, and it was that idea that it was a commitment to make it work. Like, I was, yeah, committing as I was saying that, and throughout the days that I would make it work through the good and bad in five years that we weren't getting along and weren't in love, I still loved her. And my commitment shows. Um, and the Nates said it very poetically. Thank you guys so much. Um, are there any questions from you guys that you would like to ask? If there's anything on your mind, any burning questions out there? You can always feel free to ask a question when we're having dinner as well, if you feel more comfortable with that. Three, two, one. Let's thank our panelists. I really appreciate you guys and your willingness to come out here and be humble and share from your experiences of God's work in your life and just walking together in humble faith and dependence on Him. Thanks so much for being out here. Uh, quick, quick closing announcements. Um, if you want to chat about anything you heard tonight, I'll be in the IMU Starbucks or downstairs because it's probably going to be full as usual. 
um, in the food court. If you want to talk tomorrow, 1.30 or 3, uh, we will have dinner afterwards. And Rob wanted me to make sure you high schoolers know he's got a whole ton of food for you back at the shack. So don't go eating our food, all right? You don't want to do that. <laughs> I've got Larry Baxter bouncing at the tables back there to make sure you don't. Um, Hey, Josiah, can I ask something? If you guys have any questions for us that you don't want to talk about tonight, Josiah can connect you to us. I'm sure any of us would be glad to yeah. get together sometime. Yeah, and uh, the first time we did a marriage panel, we had members of our staff here at ECC, and then this time we wanted to have some younger couples. And uh, next marriage panel, we'll have some adults from our church who are a little more seasoned in their marriage experience. Maybe more like 50 years instead of like seven months. Um, but we appreciate all of you guys and your unique perspective, and uh, thank you for being a part of this. Uh, let me pray for us before we head out. Father God, we thank you for uh, the gift of community and that we are a people united in Jesus Christ in the cross. Uh, your work on our behalf has made us one. And uh, God, we are a people who are different, um, but you put us in relationship together. You've created us for a relationship, and we thank you that your spirit uh, binds us together. We thank you for um, the ways that we can learn about ourselves and about you as we uh, are people together. And so I pray for these students, um, no matter where they're at in life, that you would just be growing them closer to yourself, that they would know the riches of your grace for them in Christ, and that they would be people who are um, able to respond to your love for them by being able to love others with that selfless love that you have shown us and that you so freely give to us every day of our lives. So as we go from here, we pray that we would be a people who show that love to the world, um, that we would be people of service and care who put others' needs before ourselves. And I thank you for uh, Doug and Kristen and Jen and Nate and Michaela and CJ and their willingness to share their stories of uh, what you've done. And we just pray that you would bless them and their families. And we do pray this in Jesus Christ's name, um, who is our hope. Amen.